Genesis, like towards the end of Genesis. So <clears throat> for people who know the Bible pretty good, um, you know, there is a portion where it's like you see the Israelites or, you know, before they were even called the Israelites, right? Because the name Israelites comes from Joseph's father, Jacob, right? Uh, so if you remember way back in the Bible, when Jacob and Esau were born, um, and, you know, uh, so Jacob and Esau were, <clears throat> let's see, sorry, I'm kind of looking back, um, Um, Isaac's kids, um, <clears throat> and Isaac was the son, or I guess technically one of the sons of Abraham, Abraham, Abram turned to Abraham, um, there was also the other son, Ishmael, which was not Sarai or, or Sarah's um, biological son, but was Abraham's biological son through the um, through one of I believe the maidservants of Sarai or Sarah. Um, so Abram's name gets changed to Abraham. Sarai's name gets changed to Sarah. Um, eventually Esau is born. Jacob is born. Um, sorry, Esau is born. Sorry, I'm messing this up. <laughs> um, eventually, um, um, Isaac was born and Ishmael was born. So the um, history of, you know, the culture, the culture and religion of Islam follows Ishmael's lineage from Abraham. The culture of Judaism follows Isaac's lineage through Abraham. Isaac has these sons, Esau and Jacob. Um, I don't know if he, um, so let me see, I think, um, Esau gets, does Esau get killed? Um, Isaac dies, um, Esau, I'm confused about what really happens with Esau, but, um, um, Jacob basically has all these sons, right, that are listed. So Jacob has Joseph, um, eventually, but there were a whole lot of sons, right? Um, so if you look at Jacob's lineage, uh, and you see the name interchanged often, uh, after a certain point. Um, so you see the Hebrews, which were the Israelites, that's like the same thing. Basically, Jacob's name becomes Israel. Jacob becomes Israel, right? Uh, the name gets changed to Israel. And so when you see Israel, it's the descendants of 
basically Jacob is the same person uh, who is Esau's brother, right? And they were the sons of basically the um, the sons of Isaac. So they were the uh, grandsons of Abraham. So Israel is Abraham's grandson, basically. Uh, or Israel, Jacob, Abraham's grandson. <clears throat> so that's how the Israel, how Israel begins being called the Israelites eventually. But technically, you see the term Hebrews also being used to distinguish between the Hebrews and the Egyptians. They're not necessarily called always the Israelites, but you still see those the terminology. He, Egyptians, Israelites, Hebrews, um, Israel, Jacob. You see these names just like all over the place. Um, and so if you look at the history, basically that's how Joseph eventually comes into the picture um so Israel or Jacob basically um brings his well I guess if you go with the stories in order I don't want to get like way too deep into it but basically uh Joseph's brothers uh sell him into slavery uh, during the book of Genesis um, this was oh, no, uh, uh, let me see I'm trying to find where it is uh I don't know if it matters that much where it is, actually, but I'm just, like, flipping through pages here. Um, but we eventually get to a place where um, there's a famine in Egypt, right? Um, sorry, I kind of lost my place here. Now I'm, like, flipping around. But, um, the reason why I'm talking about this is because, uh, there is a time period where you start seeing Hebrews in Egypt. They weren't, like, never there. They were there, um, at a certain point. And so... Um, I'm just trying to find a chapter where that comes up. Um, Descendants of Esau. And then you have Joseph. So in chapter 37 of Genesis, Joseph gets sold into slavery. Um, and... Eventually, it says, you know, in 3728, they took Joseph to Egypt, right? And so, if you're interested in who are the brothers and therefore the lineage of Israel, which would include, you know, Joseph, basically, you have... um, at the very beginning of Exodus, it talks about um, eventually Jacob or Israel coming to Egypt. That's like eventually uh, later on. Um, so you basically have um, the sons. There are the sons of, of Israel basically. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali.
call you God or Gad, Asher and Joseph. Uh, and basically what happens is, you know, Joseph ends up in Egypt, right? Because he was sold into slavery. Um, he becomes an interpreter of the dreams uh, of Pharaoh. Um, uh, during this, uh, you know, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt um, to buy grain because there's this famine. And eventually... Um, you see Jacob bring his whole family to Egypt in Genesis chapter 46. Um, and then there's a famine in Egypt. So in chapter 47 of Genesis, a famine starts occurring in Egypt, um, 47, 13. Um, and so it looks like that famine had spread and basically um Jacob who's Israel also eventually dies uh Joseph eventually dies Joseph is buried in a coffin in Egypt that's kind of the last sentence in the book of Genesis and then we start in Exodus with the lineage of Israel Jacob um, basically, um, after Jacob had come to Egypt, basically. So Joseph's father, Israel, was in Egypt. Joseph died and was buried in Egypt. Uh, and then we start this whole story about the Israelites, uh, in Exodus chapter one, eight, it starts talking about the Israelites, right? So there's a different king in rule from the time that Joseph was um, in Egypt. Uh, and when Jacob, Israel was in Egypt, there's a whole different ruler after after Jacob and Joseph die. There's a whole different ruler that comes into play in Egypt. And it says that, you know, this this king in Egypt did not know Joseph. Um, and so seemed to have this type of prejudice against the Israelites um, about them being more numerous and powerful than the Egyptians because uh, they were outnumbering them and that's how this um, I guess technically a political a political campaign was developed to um, uh, maybe have like this strategy so that the it looks like they didn't want the potential for the Israelites to be able to join in a war with the enemies and then together overpower Egypt. And so they enslaved the the Hebrews and, you know, put them in charge of building what they call supply cities. The cities called Pithom and Ramesses, those still exist. Um, also, all different types of making hard labor, mortar and brick, and all kinds of field labor. Uh, um, and basically there were taskmasters put ahead of them to oppress them. I don't know if the taskmasters were Egyptian or Hebrews. Um, but... You kind of see this in history, you know, there's a group of people who's in charge and then there's another group of people who's like maybe a minority to some extent, either they're maybe if, you know, they might not be like a numeric minority, but they still might be like oppressed in a way 
Um, and so it looks like there was a form of uh, oppression from the Egyptian rulers against the Hebrews because of how numerous they were and just the potential for them to rise up against the Egyptians and take over the rule and become in charge. So to prevent this, um, the Egyptian king enslaved them. Uh, so this is just like a system that gets created, right? Um, and you see it throughout history. Um, and it's not uncommon. I'm not saying it's right or whatever, but it's not uncommon for rulers to get this kind of paranoia that like that group over there needs to be oppressed because we can't have them rise up for reasons X, Y, and Z. That's not like an uncommon, um, type of thinking. And so, um, when you see them getting oppressed and then basically, you know, Pharaoh comes up with this idea of, you know, having the Egyptian midwives, um, you know, take watch over the birthing process of these Hebrew babies that were being born, it sounds like they're just popping out babies. I don't really know, but it sounds like there's a lot of babies being made and it's getting to a point where it's concerning in a political way. And so, um, I don't even know at this point if the, if the famine is over, I'm going to assume the famine ended, um, during Joseph's years. I'm not a hundred percent of those details of when the famine ended. I'd have to go back and read that. Um, but I don't know the details of when that famine ended, but basically there's this culture that's thriving after this famine and it's after Joseph's lifetime. So it's a generation later, at least, um, a different generation of ruler, uh, a different generation of people, pretty much. Um, and during that time period, the Egyptian women were put to, you know, watch over the Hebrew women having babies to make sure that boy babies weren't led to survive. Um, Pharaoh wanted the boy babies to all be killed and the midwives didn't really agree after that he questions them and they're like oh like they have the babies too fast or whatever like they're too strong for us to like kill the baby before it's born like it would be like too obvious basically um, and so they've been letting them survive uh, but there is a comment in there about them being like believing in God. I don't know which God they believe in, but it seems like they believe in the Hebrew God. I don't really know, but that's kind of what it assumes with like the spelling and everything. Uh, usually when you have a capital letter G O G O D with the first letter capitalized, that's the God of the Bible. That's not usually a God, like a different God, like a different idol or God that would be worshipped by a different culture. Um, and then, so, basically, the next uh, phase is that Pharaoh says, you know, throw the babies in the Nile. Every boy that gets born, throw them in the Nile. Um, and they don't do that either. Um, and so there's this passage that starts coming up about Moses mind you we're still in Egypt these people are all still in Egypt so now after Joseph's lineage after Jacob dies everybody's in Egypt from that point and so you know going back to Titus Kennedy and the arguments and things about people being in Egypt uh they're According to the Bible, there were slaves that were Hebrews. There were taskmasters over these slaves. There was a campaign 
to kill the baby boys either by killing them at birth or drowning them and throwing them in the Nile. There was a, you know, uh, a campaign pretty much against the Hebrews um, to keep their uh, numbers down. They were enslaved. Um, I don't know if slavery is considered a form of genocide. I don't really know what it's considered. But, you know, um, they basically made them do forced labor of building and different types of field work, farming, things like that. Um, Hard labor. And it looks like, too, that there was a role for part of a role for women was I guess being a um what do you call it a mid is it called a midwife what's it called like a nurse like someone who nurses the the babies um and so basically that's how Moses survives so it doesn't say the name of Moses' mother. Probably because she was a slave. But Moses gets a, a an Egyptian name uh, because he was basically in early days raised by Egyptians. Um, so basically what happens, like it mentions basically the lineage of Moses being from the house of Levi at the beginning of chapter 2 in Exodus uh, Moses um, uh, so the father was from the house of Levi uh, and a Levite woman who likely had the same lineage so remember when I mentioned all those names of Jacob Israel's sons Levi is one of those sons Uh, and so Levi is from Jacob's lineage one of his sons so basically somebody from Levi's lineage that I don't know if they would even be alive by this point because Jacob was even sorry Joseph was dead Jacob was dead Um, let me see I think that whole generation yeah because it says in one six, then Joseph died and all his brothers and that whole generation. So basically the father and mother of Moses for, were from Jacob's son's lineage of Levi. So that was a generation before or a whole, I don't know if it was one generation before or basically it was long enough ago that the new king of Egypt during Moses' time didn't know um, Joseph and that whole family in Israel, Jacob, all those people, because they'd already been gone for that whole um, time period, pretty much. Uh, So that's Moses' lineage coming from Levi. And that has a lot of significance. You start seeing later on in Genesis how the Levites have all these roles, these priestly roles. But basically what you see is this. um, There's nothing really mentioned about maybe priestliness. I don't know what the name Levi means. It probably says it in there. But um, I think Lev has to do with heart, right? Heart, love, um, I don't really know. I don't want to get way off topic because I want to look up names like and stuff like that. Like they interest me, but I'm not sure which of these names are Hebrew and which of these names are, um, like Egyptian. Um, now when e- when when Joseph goes to Egypt. Uh, way back in Genesis when he was sold into slavery and he gets into the courts and everything with Pharaoh he basically gets a different name 
his name was not he wasn't called Joseph um I don't know what the name was but he gets this different Egyptian name uh and just similarly um you know, there's a lot of name changing going on um but anyways talking about Moses so he basically survives because it says three months later so his mother hid him raised him for three months basically and then it says when she could hide him no longer now I don't know what hide him no longer means but um, when she could hide him no longer she basically puts him in a in a basket uh, in close enough distance for the um, uh, for the sister to also be able to see so it sounds like Moses had an older sister um, who was watching over this basket that Moses baby Moses was in and he was it doesn't even say what his name was um, it doesn't say what his name was before but basically he gets put into the river Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe in the river and sees the baby in the basket and asks one of the servants who were with her while she was bathing to go get the baby. Um, and I don't know how they noticed that he must be one of the Hebrew children, the he one of the Hebrews' children. I don't understand how they would know that. Um, maybe they look different, maybe, uh, I don't know, but maybe she just came to that conclusion, uh, and that, um, servant of Pharaoh's daughter goes and gets a Hebrew to nurse that baby, and it sounds like the person who starts to nurse um, the baby ends up calling Moses' actual mother to, to nurse him. Now, that's what I'm not too certain about in 1-9. Um, if it was the actual literal mother of Moses or if it was someone who was like, you're his mother because you're nursing him. I don't really know about the culture in that way. Um, but if you think about it, after Joseph and Jacob, um, and all those other people, because all that, all those brothers of, of Joseph as well, yeah, Jacob's whole household, all of their lineage moved into Egypt. They were all having kids in Egypt that whole time so that whole generation was born in Egypt they have their lineage attached to Jacob uh, but basically the whole lineage was born you know in Egypt and then to the point that there's a different king in power in Egypt and that king enslaves all of the Hebrews and so um yeah there's a whole lot that goes on there um but for people to say that there's no proof of Egyptian of of Hebrews in Egypt I mean it sounds like there's at least in the Bible, they talk a lot about the Hebrews being in, in Egypt. It sounds like for generations they were there. 
uh, at least since Joseph, all those brothers died off, including Joseph, and up until Moses, you know, they were pretty much there. I don't know how many generations that is, but it sounds like a long time. Because, <clears throat> mind you, these people were living pretty long, too. Like, I think Moses lived to be, like, 120 years old or something. Like, these people were old. Um, and so baby Moses gets found. Um, he gets named Moses. So the name in Hebrew, Moshe. Uh, but they derive the word from Masha. Uh, drew him out of the water. Um, uh, but that's how, like, I don't know Egyptian, so I don't really know. I don't really know Hebrew either, but I know more Hebrew than I know of, like, Egyptian, Arabic, any of those languages. Um, so basically what happens which is what I find interesting when you look at Moses' story. Like, I'm not going to read the whole story. Um, I'm going to talk about up until the part about uh, the bricks being made of straw, pretty much. Um, I'm going to talk pretty much up to that point. So, basically what happens... Um, is uh, Moses, it says he was, you know, walking out when he was older. Uh, it doesn't say old. Like, it sounds like technically he was potentially raised around Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, I mean, Pharaoh's daughter named him. I don't know for how long Pharaoh's daughter was raising him or if Moses' mother or the mother who was nursing him uh, was raising him. But either way, they're all in Egypt. We know that they're in Egypt. Um, so what happens is when Moses is older... He goes out and sees that his people were being forced to labor. Um, so I don't know if he was aware of this. I don't know how he was aware of who his people were. Because um, it sounds like he knew his lineage. It sounds like he knows when he's older, that he's not Egyptian. He's able to distinguish, these are my people that are forced into labor, and they're being, you know, at in this instance, one of the Egyptians was beating a Hebrew, and Moses witnessed that. And uh, according to you know, Moses thinking, you know, he looks around, nobody seems to be visible able to see the situation and so he kills the Egyptian buries the Egyptian who was beating the Hebrew in he buries him in the sand and he goes out the next day um and Moses goes out the next day when he sees two Hebrews fighting they mention one of them mentions um kind of like when Mo when Moses is kind of confronting them about their fight he's kind of like well what are you gonna are you gonna kill us like you did the Egyptian uh are, are you gonna kill me like you like you did the Egyptian and so Moses realizes oh he was actually seen killing an Egyptian and at that point Pharaoh starts going after Moses wanting to kill Moses and so I'm wondering Moses position it sounds like he had some kind of a connection in Egypt 
I would be curious to know if there's any records of Moses kind of dwelling in Pharaoh's kingdom or palace or whatever the heck or being raised by the daughter or whatever because it sounds like he wasn't the way I'm taking it in 111 or sorry in 211 of Exodus is that he might not have known that his people were being forced to labor but he did know how to distinguish um, his kinfolk from the Egyptians because he knew oh this is an Egyptian and is beating somebody who's part of my lineage he was able to tell the difference so I don't know if he was taught or if he just knew but it sounds like he wasn't enslaved because um, he was out wandering around and ended up killing an Egyptian and I don't know if he really had a, even if he was in the palace of Pharaoh of the kingdom you know if Moses had like any kind of powerful position because it says you know when Pharaoh heard of it he sought to kill Moses it's kind of like okay you kill one Egyptian and you're raised as an Egyptian in Egyptian culture you kill one Egyptian and now Pharaoh's going to kill you so it sounds like there is a favoritism uh, of the Egyptians by Pharaoh obviously because that's his people but it doesn't sound like Moses was like equally um, treated like you would think if Moses was like a high um, what do you call it a high authority person that if he killed any an Egyptian who was beating a slave that Moses would potentially be protected because he was like one of the people of the palace that's kind of my own thinking I don't really know if that's even sound but that's kind of how I think of it and the reason why I think of this is because um I mean, I know it, it was a cartoon, but if you know the Prince of Egypt, right? Uh, if you've ever seen that and you see him, uh, Moses, and as a teen or a young man, and Ramses, uh, the son of uh, one of the sons of Pharaoh, um, they're like buddies um, in that movie at the beginning. And it sounds, they make it seem like, you know, Moses was part of the kingdom, um, like he was different. People knew that he was different, but he actually was protected in some way because he was able to live there and he wasn't enslaved. Um, it doesn't sound like he was ever enslaved because otherwise I think he would have known that his people were being forced into labor he would have maybe not been so, um, uh, like he knew his culture, basically. He knew his own background and he was protective of his own kin people, his own kin. He was protective of them. Um, and so that's something that's interesting that kind of maybe popped out to me that I didn't really think about before, but just kind of culturally how it's like Moses kind of walked maybe two paths. Like he knew he was a Hebrew, but also he had a position where he wasn't necessarily um, killed as a baby and he was basically living uh and he eventually flees to, to Midian because he, um, because Pharaoh starts pursuing him to kill him after he killed that Egyptian who was beating the slave. And so, um, that's when he comes across Jethro. Um, so the recent Parsha, if you follow the Parsha from last week, uh, in the Jewish readings, the Parsha from last week was about, uh, Jethro. Uh, Jethro is the father-in-law of, 
Moses. Um, so basically, he's the priest. Jethro is the priest of Midian. Moses flees from Pharaoh, gets to Midian. Um, he goes to this well, and, you know, there's a priest of Midian who lived, you know, in that region. He had seven daughters that came to uh, draw water. Uh, they filled the troughs uh, to water the flocks. Um, so something interesting about cultures, um, usually that is a role of boys in those types of societies. Uh, if you look at like a lot of Middle Eastern and um, African cultures even today that are still very traditional like the ones that are traditional where people have the flocks and they kind of have shepherds and they're out like you know with the flocks and things like that when you look at those ancient cultures you often see young men boys uh not like super super young baby boys but like a certain age but I would still consider them young like they're like usually when I watch documentaries and stuff, they seem to be younger than 18. Like, they're not married. They're usually not married age. They're usually, like, younger, like, teens and younger than teens. But, like, old enough that, you know, they're capable of, like, having the skill of, like, keeping the flock together, making sure you're not losing the animals, a lot of these cultures, too, they say how long they take to, like, get to the actual water source. The water source usually isn't, like, right there. They're not like, oh, there's a well in my yard, and I'm just going to go, like, as the distance to my backyard to, like, feed the flock that's, like, right there. Like, you're taking these animals usually a distance to a communal well that people from all around the region would be using and it's in the heat, we're in the desert, we're in Midian, um, I don't know how far Midian is from Egypt, I'm gonna look that up, um, let me see, uh, so if I look up the, the that distance, um, Let's see. Uh, some people say about 18 days, uh, 360 miles away. Um, let me see. Some people say 700 miles. So how? Midian is located about 700 miles east of Egypt. So, let me see. Oh no. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I'm in Google Maps trying to look this up. Um <laughs> That's not going to work. I'm not that's not what I was trying to do. Um so let's see where Midian is. Um, it says Northwest Arabian Peninsula. So if you look at Egypt, yeah, it's pretty far. Um, why did he go that far, though? I don't know. I don't know how far... Um, Egypt's, re Egypt's reach was, um, but it looks like, um, it's far, <laughs> it's far from Egypt, basically, uh, next to the Gulf of Aqaba, so, and it's like bordering the Red Sea as well. So Midian is far, uh, to say the least. It's far from Egypt. Um, so he definitely fled far away. And in this story where he's in Mid 
Midian, uh, and, you know, basically there's this priest of Midian who has these daughters, um, now I don't know much about Midianites, who were these people, um, but basically he leaves Egypt, he leaves the Hebrews, and he's in this whole other land with these other people. And he ends up getting a uh, getting married um, to one of those daughters, and uh, uh, he marries the daughter named Zipporah. They have a son named Gershom, which is where I was confused the other day about where that name came from. Uh, so it's Moses' son named Gershom. So that's Moses' first son. Um, eventually, back in Egypt, the king or pharaoh, I don't know the different, if there's a difference between king and pharaoh. But, I mean, I see the word pop up a lot, but I don't know if they're referring to the same person. But basically it says the king in, in Egypt died. Uh, and the Israelites were still enslaved at that point. And um, that's when, you know, uh, Moses starts getting more involved. Uh, so at this point... Moses is the one who's looking after Jethro's flock, uh, the priest of the priest of Midian's flock, uh, Jethro, um, and he's the one that's looking after the flock and eventually asks permission to leave af after seeing the burning bush and getting that message from God. He leaves. He goes uh, eventually to um, Egypt in four eighteen. Um, it sounds like there was no struggle. All Jethro says is go in peace. And so, uh, you know, he goes back because there's nobody looking to kill him anymore. Um, so Moses goes with his wife, his sons, uh, a donkey. They go back the 700 or however many miles, 700 or 300 or however many miles to Egypt, uh, the three of them, or I don't know how many sons he has actually, um, by this point, but it says sons, plural, so it sounds like he has more than just Gershom, um, him and Zipporah have more than just Ger Gershom, uh, and then they, um, There's this kind of strange situation that comes up where uh, basically I'm trying to look at this story. It's kind of a weird story. Um, uh, let me see. I don't understand it. There's probably a lot more depth to it than what I can come up with or notice. But there's just some random part about, um, you know, the Lord trying to kill Moses, um, and this happened at a place where they were spending the night, and that's the time when Zipporah uh, circumcised her son, um, 
I don't know about the significance with these things uh, at all, but um, and then Aaron goes to meet Moses in the wilderness. I don't know how they even like find each other. Like you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I don't really know the story of Aaron too well. Um, but basically, like they said, you know, Aaron is a, Aaron is a name, uh, that's also a, an Egyptian name. And so the name of Aaron uh, and the name of Moses are Egyptian names. Um, and, you know, when Moses and Aaron are together, basically, they go to Pharaoh and say the, you know, let my people go so they can celebrate this festival in the wilderness. And that's where all these problems start arising again. Um, this is the third Egyptian ruler that we see from Joseph on. So from Joseph, there was one ruler, or I don't know how many rulers during his time period, but there was a ruler, there was a ruler uh, during Moses' childhood. And now, you know, later on, uh, after he marries Zipporah, um, whatever that Pharaoh was in Moses' childhood, he dies and, you know, basically Moses is supposed to go back and get the Israelites. And so, um, um, they were basically supposed to go do this, um, festival in the wilderness. Why in the wilderness? Uh, why three days? Why would they be going there? I don't really know the significance of those things in chapter five um, of Exodus, but it keeps going on talking about um, that they need to go into the wilderness to do these sacrifices. And basically Pharaoh's like, heck no, that's not going to happen. Um, and so he puts more strict demands saying, you know, the Egyptian, the, the Israelites are, the Hebrews are lazy. Um, so let them go get their own straw. Cause up until that point, the Egyptians were providing the straw for the making of these bricks, uh, which was part of the slave labor. And then they ended up not doing it. Uh, they not, they weren't meeting their quotas because they weren't being given the straw, uh, Pharaoh told them not to give them straw and for that reason then you know they were getting beaten I don't know who was getting beaten it sounds like the taskmasters were getting beaten maybe the servants too I don't know it says the Israelite supervisors saw they were in trouble so I don't know who exactly was getting punished but it sounds like people were definitely unfortunately getting punished um and then what happens is we take all those sons um, that were mentioned from Jacob's lineage, including Joseph, all those sons all had lineages. So it talks about Reuben and his lineage, talks about Levi and his lineage, um, Gershon, um, wait, let me see, um, yeah, it talks about Gershon and his lineage, so Gershon is the son of Moses, remember, um, it talks about all these other people that, whose names I don't really know, uh, Merari, uh, let me see, uh, so it says, 
it says later on. So this is in 620. So talking about Moses and Aaron's parents, it says um, the families of the Levites, according to their genealogy, um, it talks about Aram, I'm sorry, Amram married Jochebed, his father's sister. So father's sister is an aunt. So somebody married their aunt. Um, so Amram married Jochebed, which is the aunt. Um, and bore Aaron and Moses. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, uh, and these were the companies that were formed. So it was almost like this kind of a, of a, you know, formation of like a, like when I hear company, I think military, um, organization, you know, there's some kind of strategy, uh, with the groups and organization of who's doing what division of labor. Um, and so this was occurring before they even left before God gave a command to Moses and Aaron um, while they were still in Egypt and so all this I don't really know um, if there's like too much that I can really say that kind of comes to my mind but just the one thing that's sticking out to me is that there's definitely a lot of proof of of a couple generations of Israelites being involved in Egypt since the famine when they were getting the grain when the brothers went to get the grain from Egypt and then when they all kind of went to Egypt um, Joseph had been there for a lot of his years uh he died and was buried there Jacob and his whole lineage they were already in Egypt and it sounds like there were no problems until that new Egyptian ruler came in to power and it sounds like there were no um um kind of problems uh, until that new leader came, uh, during Moses' childhood, and so, yeah, and for them to have the names later on, uh, with that father Amram, who married Jochebed, the aunt, um, I don't know who Amram is, but it sounds like they're both Levites, right, because it says, that one person of Levi's lineage, lineage went and married um, Jochebed, who was his father's sister. And so, yeah, they would have been the same lineage. So um, it's just interesting stuff. Um, but, uh, I mean, I love Egypt. You know, it's just such a... It just is such a fascinating uh, thing to study. And, you know, I think maybe I didn't fully realize how in-depth, you know, Hebrew culture started in Egypt. And then the organization of the religion of Judaism uh, came out of, you know, once all those laws were being given... Uh, at Sinai, you know, there were all these laws and things that started popping up. Uh, well, not popping up. That's not the right word to use. But um, 
you know, up until that point, uh, before that, they were basically in Egyptian heritage, and then before that, they were in the desert on their own. Thank you.